Mountains of Pier 42, where pilot John Harvey met his fate. Today is Memorial Day 2002, and we, the crew of retired New York City fireboat John J. Harvey, are preparing to pay homage to our boat's namesake. Pilot Bob Lenny, who steered this vessel for more than 20 years while the boat still served the FDNY Marine Division, noses her slender bow toward the stubby remnants of the covered pier, a grid of timbers, their rotting tips sticking out just a foot or so above the water's surface. Chief Engineer Tim Ivory swings a leg over the side, clutching a small bouquet of all-white flowers that he has duct-taped to the end of a broken broom handle. A crowd gathers on the bow as he leans out over the water, holding on with just one leg, to stab the jagged handle end into the top of one of the crumbling piles. I know all this only by way of hearsay and pictures, from where I stand below decks, my fingers curled around the smooth brass levers that power the propellers in response to Bob's commands, I can't watch it unfold. Because I, Fireboat Harvey's engineer, stand in the engine room the whole time we're underway, this ceremony, like all the rest, is to me just another series of telegraph orders. Slow ahead on the starboard side, slow astern on the port. Between shifts of the levers, I steal glimpses of the harbor through the portholes, round windows just above the river's rippled surface. Above decks, pilots use the Manhattan skyline for their points of reference, to know where they are or where they're headed. Here, below decks, I use low-lying landmarks, the white tents where fast ferries load, the numinous blue lights in South Cove, the new concrete poured to straighten Pier 53, which firefighters call the Tilton Hilton, where, on February 11, 1930, FDNY Marine Division pilot John Harvey signaled his deck crew to drop lines and shot south at the helm of fireboat Thomas Willett on his final run. Nearly three-quarters of a century after his death, as the fireboat named in his honor leaves the pegboard forest, I hold my own private memorial service, issuing a silent prayer. It's something of a thank you and something of a nod of acknowledgement. We remember. I whisper about the work we've put into preserving the boat over the past year. I tell him about rewiring shorted-out circuits, about our efforts to dis- and reassemble failing rusty pump parts, about coating her steel surfaces with protective epoxy paints. All this, I explain, is done in part to pay homage to him, the man who lives on through this fireboat. As the boat pushes through the water, I stand at my post, sweating. Though I can't hear the slosh of bilge water over the growl of the engines, I can watch it through gaps in the diamond plate floor. Like every steel vessel, this boat fights a constant, silent battle with the salt water that buoys her. The river seeps through little openings in her 71-year-old skin. It trickles, etching burnt orange stains into the thick white paint that coats the riveted hull. Sometimes the boat rolls and sways and a splash of green overwhelms my porthole view. That's when I remember that I'm underwater. Less than a half inch of steel plate separates me from the river. Only after we've pulled away can I make out through a porthole a small speck of white where the flowers stand tall in the May sunshine. As the speck disappears against the muted gray of the concrete bulkhead at the water's edge, the significance of the ceremony fades into the everyday rhythms of the machinery. When I moved to New York City from San Francisco in 2000, I'd never heard of a fireboat. Now I've found a home in the engine room of a boat born four decades before I was. 
During long stretches at the controls, when the drone of engines drowns out the mental clutter of my landside life, I wonder about the men stationed here before me. Did they feel left out of the action down here in the cellar? Did they chain smoke, read, play cards to pass the time while they waited for the pilot's next command? Career guys, most of them. Firefighters with an engineering bent, Irish and Italian, their uncles, fathers, and brothers, firefighters before them, had laid down the paving stones that marked their nepotistic path. There were no paving stones for me. My father is a car mechanic in Massachusetts. I'm here only by blissful accident, having stumbled aboard in February 2001, a naive young upstart with a university degree, a bubble-salaried dot-commer, a striving big-city editor, a woman. When I look at the black-and-white photographs of old-time crews, ranks of short-haired men, some young, shirtless...